Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I am glad you have made the connection and are with us today. I'm Tabitha Montgomery, your guest host. I serve the Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association, and we are community partners with Connections Radio Show. The goal of Connections Radio Show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, feeling, imagining, and connected. I am looking forward to hosting today for Lori Fitz, who is not able to join us today, but promises to be listening from where she is. Uh, We also have Eric Nelson, our technical producer, who will be supporting us and making sure we stay on track. Thanks, Eric, for being here and helping us out. Our show today will feature Connections Community Partner, Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, um, where we have Nashina Hussein, who is our co-host and executive director. And also our second co-host today is Sakina Mujahid of Sisters Need a Place, also known as SNAP. Um, And they are going to help us to dive a little bit deeper into just leadership and um, uh, talking about things that matter in their space. So before we get going, I just want to give a shout out to today's sponsor, Gandhi Mahal Restaurant. They are dedicated to bringing peace by pleasing your palate. Quality, healthy, and locally sourced Bangladesh Indian food that promotes a peaceful mind and experience in a soothing environment. Established in 2008 in the city of Minneapolis, Gandhi Mahal is an award-winning fine restaurant located at 3009 27th Avenue South in the heart of Minneapolis. Learn more about Gandhi Mahal Restaurant by going to GandhiMahal.com. Now let's get to it. So, Nishina, hello. Hi, Tabitha. How are you? Great. It's good to be here. It's great to see you. And Sakina, how are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Hi. Excellent. So we have uh, the pleasure of connecting with you both, and we're going to kind of start with just helping our listening audience understand a little bit more about both of your organizations. So Nishina, I'm going to turn it over to you. Why don't you share a little bit more with us about RISE and your role with RISE and your goals and vision and values? So I'd say about four years ago, a group of us uh, Muslim women got together, um, and we sort of had a conversation about um, our role in community. Um, We talked about leadership. We talked about civic engagement. We talked about philanthropy. um, And this whole is kind of premised about this um, around this whole concept of, you know, we're doing a lot of work, but we don't seem to be in like positions of leadership and not front and center. Sometimes people. Other people are taking credit for our work. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so as we were... Um, those other people. Those other people, yeah. <laughs> so as we're talking about this, what we realized was, um, yes, there are some amazing women in our community who are leaders, yet there isn't a platform or space for them to be heard or to re- kind of reclaim that power. And so in September of 2015, we decided that it's time for us to create that platform ourselves. Um, And so we launched the organization Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment. Um, Our our basic mission is to amplify the voice and power of Muslim women. And we do that through storytelling, leadership development, and civic engagement. And so we kind of examine the storytelling part of this, um, as you can imagine, Tabitha, there's a lot of negative um, stereotypes around no. <laughs> around, <laughs> around Muslim women, right? Um, and we kind of have a triple barrier, right? Because right. we also have to face um, religious discrimination along with racism and along with sexism. And right. so that triple barrier really is um, a challenge to overcome all three aspects based on like this intersectionality of our identity. So... I think what um, we realized was, you know what, somebody else is actually telling our story for us. And Mm -hmm. in order for us to change that narrative, we need to step up. We need to start telling our stories ourselves. And so we launched a a project called Muslim Shiros of Minnesota. Excellent name. Yeah, of course, (laughs) right? Not all Shiros wear capes. And so um, what we wanted was really to provide alternative positive imagery of who Muslim women are and really at the local level, right? Like right here in Minnesota, there are phenomenal women that are doing really heroic work. Including yourself. Yeah, including Sakina. <laughs> <laughs> including you including and Sakina. Sakina. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and you too, Tabitha. Listen, I'm taking it. Thank you. <laughs> and so... Um, Although that was like our initial goal, what we didn't realize was the effect it was going to have on Muslim women themselves. Okay. Right? So that sort of, uh, you know, secondary impact was that 
um, Muslim women now were seeing themselves. And you know, mm-hmm. representation yeah. matters, right? Yeah. How can I be what I cannot see? So if I don't see somebody who looks like me in a position of power and leadership, why would I ever aspire to like take up that? Um, dream itself. So it's really amazing to hear, like, you know, when I talk to some of the women that we've interviewed, they're always um, sharing with me about how not only are we breaking stereotypes, but, you know, Muslim girls are coming up and saying, I didn't know, like, you know, we could do this. I didn't, I never saw somebody that looked like me. And so we're, we're seeing young girls who are like, oh my gosh, I can dream of such possibilities mm-hmm. that I never thought of before. So it's really powerful in that. In that way, I think what's you know and truly remarkable is just that regardless of uh, cultural identity, regard regardless of religious affiliation, there is something so um, common, something so vital in how we understand story, how we understand our story, how we share our story, how we own our story, right? And that cuts across so many different things that people would want you to believe is different. And so I love hearing you talk about just how critical and instrumental storytelling within your group is, just in terms of, I think, as one of the ways to to connect more deeply in community is by owning your own narrative. So, uh, Sakina, why don't you share a little with us in the listening audience about your organization and what you're striving to do and what that looks like. Sure. Um, so Sisters in a Place was actually established back in 1999, and I um, kind of stumbled upon it um, in about 2006 or so when I left the military. Um, so <clears throat> the the idea of Sisters in a Place was it was created from sisters getting together to trying to find some spots to where they can find a space where they they can be a part of something to find how do I navigate through this? How do I go through this struggle? How do I find all types of resources, whether it's their children, whether it's financial support, whether it's, hey, I just need someone to help me process through this. So (laughs) the way that I came about it is because I too was going through some hard times and in the faith, uh, when I left the military, it was really challenging because my son was struggling in school. 9-11 had just happened. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how can I balance all this? And where where is my space? Where do I find this? Right. So um, Sisters in a Place was, was there. They invited me in to volunteer, to help others and things like that. So as right at the beginning of me starting um, with Sisters in a Place of, because um, some of the women came there when they were... Um, going through violence, domestic violence, um, tr- converting over, and then they've been dis, uh, disowned by their family. And so, when you say converting over, Converting to be a Muslim. A, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. So converting to be a Muslim, they were, dis- they were dis- disowned from their family. So a lot of serious trauma was happening. Mm-hmm. And I, too, like I said, um, at the right at the beginning of coming into Sister's Place, I was experiencing um, trauma myself, which was not only the military, but also in my relationship, I was uh, being psychological and emotional abuse at that time from my hus- ex-husband. So just trying to navigate and how do I now take care of my children now I'm soon divorced. So trying to ensure that. So um, in 2009, I became the executive director just based on that support and how do we continue to move our faces or our voices along for this empowerment of what women were looking for. Mm-hmm. So just trying to really, really horn in on that and establish that. So that's really our mission is really trying to support women live healthier lives around where they are, mm-hmm. where their journey is, and how do we continue to support them? And how do we continue to move forward? How do we help them navigate? How do we just support them and, and walk with them? Not try to tell them where they should be going, but how do you walk through that with them? And that's what Sisters in the Place really stands for, is how do they find a place right in their mix of what they're doing? Okay. So listen, I, I don't need to tell you both that you guys are staring right into the the light and the path of oftentimes some of people's most challenging um, circumstances in terms of either not feeling seen, not feeling heard, um, going through personal trauma, Mm -hmm. right? And they need to feel supported. So I guess my question to both of you is what do you think is one of the central things or an essential thing that helps sustain you personally in your respective roles as leaders and in the work? Is there something that you can share? 
Yeah, I could say for me right away was just my faith in my family. Mm. I think um, a lot of us forget. I think I forgot how true my faith really was pregnant for very important for me at that time is what's really happening. Even though we were being targeted, with, especially with 9-11, um, I was hit with that by being in the military when 9-11 was going on. How do I balance that? How do I, and what am I doing? And so having my faith community and having my family there support me, a lot of us don't have that. But to be able to own in and have that with our faith communities and really own on that, I think faith is one of my biggest thing in my family and having that and help people build that if they didn't have it already within them, just trying to be that for them. Yeah. Okay. I'd have to agree. Um, I always talk about spiritual self-care, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So self-care is traditionally, um, you know, taking time for yourself mm-hmm. um, and caring for yourself in a, a wide variety of ways. But for me, I had a component of that spiritual mm-hmm. self-care too. And faith is really important, right? Mm-hmm. Especially because when we walk out that door, it's very obvious who mm-hmm. we are. And so we can Now, why do you that. say it's obvious? <laughs> <laughs> oh, because people are, people are listening to us, right? <laughs> so I, I am a Muslim woman who wears the hijab, which is the traditional head covering. And so when we walk out, it is very obvious that we, we are Muslim. Well, listen, thank you both for priming the pump, for getting us going today in our Connections radio show. Uh, For our listening audience, if you want to learn a little bit more before we come right back with these two amazing and wonderful leaders, you can check out more of their stories, first with revivingsisterhood.org and sistersneedaplace.org. We will be right back. I'm Peter Rackliff from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue. Brunson's Pub is a place where history and passion are a part of every detail, starting with the menu. The Payne Phelan neighborhood arose from Dakota people who lived here for hundreds of years and pioneering immigrant communities, Irish, Swedes, German, and Italians, who made the Eastside their home. More recently, waves of new residents from Asia, Latin America, and Africa continue the rich immigrant history and are revitalizing the community's cultural life and economy. Come experience Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. We all have the ability to touch the lives of those around us. To someone going through a difficult time, a text, a call, or a visit can mean so much. Reach out to the veterans in your life today. Let them know they're not alone. One simple act can make all the difference. That's the power of one. If you're a veteran in crisis or no one who is, visit VeteransCrisisLine.net for free 24-7 confidential support. Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuske, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan, LLP, rewriting the odds for their clients for over 80 years. We are awake. It was a day like any other when she walked into my office and told me about Fearless Five Noir. A collection of five original short plays by five different writers and five directors, all on the same topic, noir. It just sounded so crazy that it was a hard pill to swallow, even for a hard-boiled detective like me. But I wasn't going to let that stop me. I knew exactly where I could find them, too. They'd be at the Mounds Theater at 1029 Hudson Road in St. Paul. They'd be there Fridays and Saturdays, February 8th through the 23rd at 7.30 p.m. Tickets would be 10 bucks if I planned ahead and ordered them online, or 15 bucks at the door. She told me that I could always find more information at fearlesscomedyproductions.com. I took the job, but are you up for helping me with this case? I guess we'll find out at Fearless 5 Noir on February 8th through the 23rd at 7.30 p.m. at the Mounds Theater. Presented by Fearless Comedy Productions. 
Tabitha Montgomery from the Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association, your community guest host today. Welcome back to Connections Radio, where we are talking about ideas that matter. I am glad you joined the conversation. Today we have Connections community partner, reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, known as RISE. And we also have Sisters Need a Place. And to learn more about our Connections community partners, check them out on ConnectionsRadioMN.com backslash community hyphen co hyphen producers. Our co-hosts today are Nashina Hussein and Sakina Mujahid. Um, and today we've been talking with them about their respective organizations. Before we dive back in, I just want to give another shout out to today's sponsor, Gandhi Mahal Restaurant, dedicated to bringing peace by pleasing your palate, quality, healthy, and locally sourced Bangladesh Indian food that promotes a peaceful mind and experience in a soothing environment. Established in 2008 in the city of Minneapolis, um, Gandhi Mahal is an award-winning fine restaurant located at 3009 27th Avenue South in Minneapolis. Now let's get to it. Okay, so we've been talking about two amazing organizations right here in the Twin Cities that are focused on um, elevating, uplifting, highlighting, and relishing in everything that Muslim women in our community have to offer, specifically how they lead. And that's where we want to get back to. So, Nashina, I'm going to start with you. And so one of the things that we want to kind of highlight is for you personally, when you think of a leader, who comes to mind? some of the qualities that you think embodies their leadership style. And how does that really kind of inspire you as a leader? Right. So I think I would say originally, originally, a few years ago when I thought of a leader, right, we would think of like like the Malcolm X's and the, and the um, Mahatma Gandhi's, right? Which are all men, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and luckily, thank God, they're at least men of color, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, a lot of us have images of, you know, men who are right. leaders, mm-hmm. right? And then when we think about um, what types of qualities, it's always like this charismatic person, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody who can inspire, who's motivating, who listens, um, and not often do we think about like women who embody those qualities as well, right. right? And I think now things are really starting to change because we are we are creating these spaces and stories and platforms where we are elevating women and and women who are of authority and leadership, right? Um, I think about like just how Congress has changed this past year, right? Yeah. Is like the largest amount of women who have not only entered the political races, but have won seats, right? Um, this is the first time I think in 2018 we saw 12 Muslims in Minnesota run for office. And of that, we saw five of them win their primaries, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's really powerful to see is that there are people just like me who are now in positions of power. And so um, now that doesn't always necessarily translate into what's the ideal and what's reality, right? Right. Because we still are at um, a very small, like, minority number in terms of who is... um, who is leading in those spaces. So what's one characteristics that you look for in what you would call uh, leaders to aspire to to emulate in some instances? I am a big proponent, proponent of collaborations. Okay. So when I see people connect others to a larger cause and go at it together, I see a lot more power and I see a lot more impact. And what I've noticed with female leadership specifically, is that women bring whole communities along with Mm -hmm. them. They Mm -hmm. rarely do things on their own or independently. Uh, You know, I remember when we were asking everybody to caucus for the very first time, I saw Muslim women bring, you know, their families, their husbands, their parents, their children. And so they're not going at it alone, like right after work, I'm just going to pop in before I get home. It's like, oh, I'm going to take some time and put this on a calendar. I'm going to pick up the kids. I'm going to pick up mom and dad, and we're going to go as a family. And Mm -hmm. so that to me is really powerful is that collaborative um, aspect of leading. Excellent. All right, Sakina, so who comes to mind for you when you think of phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal leaders? Yeah, when you were actually asking that question, I was trying to think so many were running through my head, and and it wasn't for me any men, actually. It Mm. was more like my mom. It was more like... 
just women that I have had the privilege of being led with or so in my past. So I have had some experience with good women leaders, which is very, very rare, Mm -hmm. um, as Nashina was pointing out. Um, So I would say, like, really just trying to find um, someone that has those qualities of me. Mm. And so I would say that right away was, like, my mom at the forefront. My mom was a uh, assistant principal in the school district, Minneapolis school district. She became a principal in the school district and how she led and how she managed that. Um, one of the things that I saw her manage is her own emotions along with 400 other people. Mm. How do you do that and still say, I'm a woman, I'm in charge. And I think that's one of the things that is that I look for is that this leader can just have a whole bunch of emotions, but we only see theirs. But how do you balance in yours and others that you're trying to lead to be able to uh, effectively help them follow you? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the qualities that I really look for is how do you find that balance and how do you are able to respectfully allow people to express their emotions or express with what's going on with them to be able to have the skills, to horn in on their skills, to horn in on their talents, and their ability to continue to go on. How do you as a leader hold that and still be true to who you are? So is there a characteristic in terms of that you would distill down to what you think you've seen enable a person in a leadership role to be able to hold that tension? Yeah, I think um, it would probably more so be like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the ability to, uh, like, a uh, just the balance or the respect. Mm. I think respect can go so many different ways. So having that respect allows people to be able to coach, to be able to motivate, to be able to um, to continue to elevate each other, but also yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to, that we talked about earlier about that spiritual self-care, but also respecting who you are and that self-care allows you to respect others that you're trying to lead. Mm-hmm. I think respect is one of the big um, skills that I would look for. You know, the thing that I think has I've begun to think about some in the spaces that I've been traveling, whether it be leaders that I've seen or the leader that I aspire to be, what I believe is so humbling is what I've come to personally for myself is that I believe everyone is a leader. And I think that sometimes we've attempted to co-opt that language for only a chosen few, Mm -hmm. that you have to be on the national stage, that you have to be the most articulate, that you have to be the most creative, the most innovative. And really, I think for all of our our listening audience, the truth is you right now in your space is a leader. I think that what makes that work, what, what, what we really need to strive for in community is the assets and the attributes that make sure that we don't corrupt leadership. Mm -hmm. So it is the practice of being a good listener. Mm -hmm. It is the practice of being a good collaborator. It's the practice of being able to demonstrate uh, consistent respect, Mm -hmm. even when you disagree with the people that you're working with. And I think that that ability to me is worth all the the rubles, if you will. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is so important that I think that the collective we, Mm -hmm. the community of we, women and men, begin to understand the power that we all have and our respective approaches to leadership. Absolutely. And then that's how I think that we went and are able to go deeper. Well, listen, I like to just leave you guys hanging for more. So let's, before we cut to a break, I just want to remind you that if you want to learn more about these two phenomenal women and the organizations that they serve, you can check them out at www.revivingsisterhood.org and also at sistersneedaplace.org. We will be right back. The stage is set with a motionless tableau, the actors frozen in mid-action, their faces conjuring up an ancient frieze. At the snap of fingers, the spell is broken. The statues spring to life and Antigone begins. Park Square Theatre presents Antigone on stage February 1st through March 3rd. A reimagined adaptation of this classic Greek drama explores civil disobedience, fidelity, and a family torn apart by pride. This electric production brings the action directly on stage with an all-female cast playing the roles. The battles between the laws of the gods and the laws of the people rages. Who is right when all are certain? What are you willing to die for? Be a part of this epic event at Park Square Theatre in St. Paul. Tickets and more at parksquaretheatre.org. That's parksquaretheatre.org. 
Northeast Minneapolis is known for its creativity and you'll know exactly why when you eat at Hazel's Northeast. Their creatively prepared comfort food will have you coming back week after week. Breakfasts like biscuits and gravy, granola pancakes, and brisket hash. For lunch, homemade soup and one of the best Rubens in town. And don't miss the daily risotto or Chef Ali's ever-changing dinner specials. Come on in, bring the whole family. Hazel's Northeast delivers real good food. Family owned at 29th and Johnson in Minneapolis. Whoa. The moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge! Is the moment I knew that for him. You can't even see the top of that thing. Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. It was a day like any other when she walked into my office and told me about Fearless Five Noir, a collection of five original short plays by five different writers and five directors all on the same topic, noir. It just sounded so crazy that it was a hard pill to swallow, even for a hard-boiled detective like me. But I wasn't going to let that stop me. I knew exactly where I could find them, too. They'd be at the Mounds Theater at 1029 Hudson Road in St. Paul. They'd be there Fridays and Saturdays, February 8th through the 23rd at 7.30 p.m. Tickets would be 10 bucks if I planned ahead and ordered them online, or 15 bucks at the door. She told me that I could always find more information at fearlesscomedyproductions.com. I took the job, but are you up for helping me with this case? I guess we'll find out at Fearless 5 Noir on February 8th through the 23rd at 7.30 p.m. at the Mounds Theater. Presented by Fearless Comedy Productions. With your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today will be partly sunny with a high near 18. Tonight, snow is likely with a low around 10. Sunday, snow before noon with a high near 22 and a low around 8. Monday, high of 18 and a low around negative 2. AM950 is brought to you by Eat Local Minnesota. Break away from the usual and find a list of -of one-of-a-kind local restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. From elegant to casual, exotic to comfort food, they've got everything and more. Find the full list of incredible nearby restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. Good morning. I am Tabitha Montgomery from Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association, your community guest host today. Welcome back to Connections Radio. Talking about ideas that matter, I am so glad you joined the conversation. As a reminder, today we've been talking with our Connections community partner, Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, also known as RISE. Nashina Hussein is our co-host. We also have the pleasure of being in, in community in partnership with Sakina Mujahid, who is representing um, Sisters Need a Place. So again, before we get started, I want to give a shout out to today's sponsor, Gandhi Mahal, restaurant dedicated to bringing peace by pleasing your palate quality, healthy, and locally sourced Bangladesh Indian food that promotes a peaceful mind and experience in a soothing environment. Established in 2008 in the city of Minneapolis, Gandhi Mahal is an award-winning fine restaurant located at 3009 27th Avenue South. Learn more about Gandhi Mahal Restaurant by going to GandhiMahal.com. Now let's get to it. So where have we been this hour so far? We have talked about two amazing organizations that is doing amazing work in the um, Muslim women community in terms of helping to provide resources and encouragement and affirmation where needed, also helping to capture stories, highlight stories, and empower women's own voices um, in this community that we now know that has any number of barriers um, for not only women, but certainly for Muslim women in our community and nationally. So, uh, And then we talked about leadership. Just some of the things that we think about, what makes good leaders, certain leaders that come to mind, what inspires us as leaders. And now we're going to just take a moment um, to talk about how, as women of faith and in our respective faiths, that that inspires or shapes our leadership styles, our approaches, really our leadership thinking. So we're going to start with Sakina. And so, Sakina, I'm going to ask you the question, how does your faith, okay, as a Muslim woman, inspire your role as a leader and the work that you do? So I would say, for me, um, being a a Muslim woman, actually being a black Muslim woman here in Minnesota has truly, truly helped uh, 
define who I am and the work that I do. So I do do work at Sisters Need a Place. I'm the executive director there. However, from that work, I was actually kind of recruited for the work that I actually do full time with um, Beacon Interfaith Housing. And so being and the, so, give our listening audience just a snippet about Beacon yeah. Interfaith. And yeah, so Beacon Interfaith works on um, changing the the homeless field, the homes for all, trying to do the legislation, build affordable housing, develop housing, and then also run a full-time shelter okay. um, for homeless families. So I am the director over the the families, uh, the homeless fa- shelter. So that work from emerging with Systems Need a Place, um, helping me see that there's much more. There's many more people that we can tackle. So I was actually recruited by my own faith community, Master Noor, to, um, to work with Beacon because they were part of Beacon and their collaborative. So um, seven years later, I'm now the director overseeing how that changes. And I go in and out of different um Congregations. Most of them are are white based um, mm-hmm. in the suburban area, Presbyterian, Lutheran, mm-hmm. um, all of them. So my faith and being strong to it, and being able to continue to move forward for neighbors, for neighbors, for our neighbors, for the the neighbors from Minneapolis, from the neighbors from all the suburbs. Just that piece alone, we have a a verse in the Quran about our neighborly needs, about how do we support each other? How do we want for ourselves that we want for the next? If, a, if enough is good for me, then enough is good for everyone else. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really try to strive is that there's so many resources. How do I help those that I'm serving and give them the resources that are out there? How do I keep navigating that system? How do I keep pushing forward? That piece about my faith allows me to continue to help, but be able to continue to lead and keep, keep strong and keep at the forefront as a black woman, as a Muslim woman, to continue to move forward. I think that's really how faith has allowed me to continue to walk in that church or that synagogue and to hold on to who I am. Listen, I just want to slow you down and pull you back a little Mm -hmm. bit just because I know that, and I shouldn't assume, but there could be persons who are listening that are not very familiar with the Islamic faith. And so I just want to go back to that one of the central tenets that you spoke about in terms of how you see neighbors. Mm -hmm. And so maybe if you could just restate that again and then just restate why that for you is so essential in your work as a leader. Yeah, so one of the um, one of our hadith or Prophet Muhammad uh, told us that we should be able to give to the neighbor. So mm-hmm. one enough for one of us is enough for our neighbor. Mm-hmm. So like I was saying, is that so that is one of the reasons why we should continue to help. So what what do I want for myself as a I want home. I want a home. I want to have a comfortable home. I want to be able to come home to a warm environment, to a safe environment for my children. And that's what I want for the individuals that I serve and help in that community is food is a, a huge resource homeless individuals do not have access to mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. There's people on the corners, there's this, but I have that. So mm-hmm. I'm able to give to that what I have here and mm-hmm. to the next. And that's what I mean about that verse and, and how it really horns in. And that's what I kind of keep at my forefront is I try to teach my children all the time is we have enough. Let's appreciate it. Not the ones in Africa, not that that's a bad thing, but right here our neighbor may be struggling. Mm-hmm. And that's what we talk about with Families Moving Forward, which is underneath Beacon, is that we have enough. Let's try to give it to everyone else. Mm. Excellent. Beautiful. Okay, and Nashina, for you, how does your faith center you in your work and influence your leadership approach and style? Yeah. So I always think about what's the purpose of life, right? Like, why are we here on this earth? What are What's our mission? What are you supposed to be doing here? And I'm always reminded about how... You know, we are supposed to be in service to God, and the best way to serve God is by serving His creations, which is other human beings. Mm -hmm. So when we see, um, you know, oppression happening, when we're seeing marginalized communities being um, challenged and uh, and silenced, then it's our duty to actually step up and help them, right, in solidarity and um, use our voices and our platforms in order to elevate what's happening in those communities. So for me, it's like serving um, not just the Muslim community, right, like through my collaborations. It's about in solidarity with other communities um, in order for us to change um, 
you know, like these big infrastructures of, you know, racism and whatnot, then we need to do it together. And so serving others is definitely something that, you know, is grounded in my faith. And then as you're serving people, you're obviously going to get hit with hate and Islamophobia and all the other isms. And so we were taught um, this concept of Ehsan, which is like hard to translate completely um, into English, but it's this sense of like acting in excellence, mm -hmm. right? So if they hit you with negativity and pain and hurt, it is not your job to hit back mm -hmm. with that same level of hate, right? Mm -hmm. This is why we act with love. This mm -hmm. is why we counter everything with love and that we we show up for others and we help people kind of on that path of like getting out of that hate and fear and misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's like, don't turn around. Uh, it's not like about turning the cheek, right? It's, it's, it's about like addressing it mm -hmm. in a more... Um, loving, manner. loving manner, sympathetic and sensitive and diplomatic matter. So there are moments where you're like, yep, I'm ready to like <laughs> toss rocks. <laughs> mm -hmm. But then you're like, mm, no, I need to step that's back. That's not acting yeah, in an excellent way. Right. No. Right. Tossing the rocks <laughs> for our listening audience. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't do, do that. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I think that what's inspiring about both of your takes on it on how your faith centers your actions as leaders is that I think it's very much akin for me as a woman who ascribes to the Christian faith. And I think about uh, what really holds me together is for me the belief and what we are taught is that God is love. Mm -hmm. And so if I believe that God is love, um, then that is ultimately what I am going to focus on. There's so, a lot of uh, tenets, right, about how I could interpret how that shows up in terms of when we talk about in the Word and for me in the Bible, it talks about being um, patient, that love is patient and kind and mm -hmm. bears all things, believes all things. Um, but I think that the essence of love is really where we can do our our best work at not weaponizing our mm. faith, mm -hmm. right? So it to me, um, if I am a believer and I'm, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then it doesn't make sense for me to weaponize what I believe that he has given me, right? Because that's not a loving act. Mm -hmm. And so I think that certainly this is what uh, not only enables me, but compels me um, to want to sit here in space um, with women who are of the Islamic faith, right, Muslim women, mm -hmm. um, and not feel that anything has been taken from me, mm -hmm. that I don't feel as if your beliefs um, somehow disrupts my beliefs, that if anything, I think that it creates more of a deeper curiosity in me about all the things that I believe that my God has created in love, mm -hmm. even that which I don't ascribe to, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that that's oftentimes, I think, even the mark of how leadership unfolds is that you don't look to remove voices from the table. Correct. You look to add voices to the table in order to shape final outcomes that benefit as many people, if not all people, possible. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that that's what hopefully in many instances we all at some point uh, desire uh, and, uh, and strive to do. So in that vein, when we think about our faith shaping our leadership styles, how do we think that um, faith Right. And helping to educate people about even the Islamic faith and your faith can help take us past some of the more difficult, I think, moments right now in our in our country. And that's not me saying that. I think that it's because we are we've never been here before. I feel like we kind of come in and out of these moments. Keep coming back. History mm -hmm. will tell us mm -hmm. quite a lot. And so what could we do? as uh, an intrafaith in interfaith communities to disrupt the frequency, the cycle of malice, division, right? Being becoming to eat away at our communities. Well I was I think you both have hit it on, you know, being that curiosity. I think allowing for curiosity to to continue to happen. <clears throat> excuse me, amongst each other. But talking about how um, that's what, you know, it, it says in our, our religion is to continue to love, to we know that each one of our books we're going to be held accountable to, meaning that um, it's not taken away from each other. Mm -hmm. If I'm if I'm learning about who you are, it doesn't take away from who I am. Mm -hmm. Just by learning, I think having those those platforms, having those dialogues, having those those the space for that, I think that's what I would 
say that we should continue to do and how do we continue to disrupt, but being models for one another. I mean, this right here, having this conversation is a model for each other and not shying away or not attacking each other. We're allowing something organically to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to continue to, to model that. Yeah, and I think we are at an age where we are past the interfaith dialogue mm -hmm. piece, right? We are at the interfaith action mm -hmm. piece. Mm -hmm. And so although we are having a conversation, this is actually an action, mm -hmm. right? right? We are at a radio show. <laughs> we have taken over this platform, and right. we are discussing these things. Yeah. Um, I think about, you know, just last month, we are, for the past two years, we've been working with um, the National Council of Jewish Women, yeah. right? And often— we are pitted against each other, mm -hmm. right? right? And so when we first got together, we were like, we are going to work on public policy that affects Minnesotans, mm -hmm. all Minnesotans, That's not right. just Muslims and not just Jewish women, right? Like all mm -hmm. Minnesotans. And so because we were working on public policy together, because we were doing civic engagement activities together, that's how we started to learn more about one another mm -hmm. instead of that direct, like, yeah. oh, what do you believe in? It was more like, I'm watching what you believe in. Right. Exactly. So that's more powerful, I think. And I think that that's a fantastic point to leave it for now until we come back. It's just the idea that we can build something better, more sustainable together and not um, apart. So I'm going to encourage everyone to stay right there and we'll be right back. Questions about your romantic life? Are you looking at Valentine's Day and feeling fear? Would you like to talk to someone to help figure it all out? I'm Christine Schroeder. I'm an intuitive advisor and medium. I offer helpful insights, useful answers, and practical advice to help you navigate your romantic life. To learn more and book an appointment, go to christineintuitivemedium.wordpress.com. Check out my Valentine's Day special through February 23rd. Let's talk about you. Enjoy a delicious home-cooked breakfast or lunch away from the kitchen at Milda's Cafe, now open seven days a week. Milda's Cafe has been cooking up family favorites since 1964. Grab a coffee and sit down for a delicious Philly scramble, house-made rolls, or Denver omelet. Stop in for lunch where you'll find authentic Finnish pasties every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Open weekdays 6 to 3, weekends 8 to 2. Milda's Cafe on Glenwood Avenue, four blocks east of Penn. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm Connie Burek, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. On the Awakened Living Radio Show, we will discuss stress, self-care, fear, happiness, beliefs, communication, joy, pain, trauma, and more. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. Fearless Five Noir. Five original short plays by five different writers and five directors all on the same topic. Noir. Follow these clues. St. Paul. Fridays and Saturdays, February 8th through the 23rd at 7.30 p.m. Tickets 10 bucks if you gumshoe to the website and order at fearlesscomedyproductions.com or a deal at 15 bucks at the door. Fearless Five Noir on February 8th through the 23rd at 7.30 p.m. at the Mounds Theater. Presented by Fearless Comedy Productions. I'm Peter Rackler from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue, Brunson's Pub. Experience history and passion through the delicious menu, reflecting the Eastside's diversity. The choices are limitless. Salads, sandwiches, burgers, and shareable plates. Visit Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM 950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. Okay, good morning. I am Tabitha Montgomery from Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association, your community guest host today. Welcome back to Connections Radio, where we are talking about ideas that matter. I am glad you rejoined or joined the conversation. 
And today we have Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment with us, Rise, as our co-host, Nashina Hussein, and also uh, the lovely Sakina Mujahid, who has joined us from Sisters Need a Place. Again, before we jump into things, I just want to make sure that I take a moment to recognize today's show sponsor, by Gandhi, who is sponsored by Gandhi Mahal. Um, restaurant dedicated to bringing peace by pleasing your palate, quality, healthy, and locally sourced Bangladesh Indian food that, I'll get to it, just one second, <laughs> that promotes a peaceful mind and experience in a soothing environment. Established in 2008 in the city of Minneapolis, Gandhi Mahal is an award-winning fine restaurant located at 3009 27th Avenue South. Learn more about Gandhi Mahal Restaurant by going to GandhiMahal.com. Now, if you have been listening to today's show, you will know that we have been just being um, informed and educated and encouraged by Sakina Mujahid and Nashina Hussein about this idea of leadership, and not just leadership, but women leaders, and not just women leaders, but Muslim women leaders, and not just Muslim women leaders, but Muslim women leaders who are so centered in their faith that they can ignore and uh, respond in a positive and healthy and, uh, and, and from a place of strength to many of the divisions that would seek to tear us apart in community. And so it's been a pleasure. I just want to put that out there for me to talk to and hear from both of you. So where we want to go to next is we're going to give Nashina an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about one of the ways that they develop the Muslim women community. Um, and they have their 2019 Muslims Women's Conference that's coming up here on March 2nd. So Nashina, I'm going to kick it over to you. Tell us everything we need to know about <laughs> Every- the plans and what will happen. Yeah, well, everything you need to know is that it's sold out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exciting. Because- I, but I know, I know some people who might be able to get me... <laughs> I know some people. Yeah. Um, this is our third year, so really exciting. Um, you know, it's really important for us to, you know, create and curate a space for Muslim women to gather and learn from one another. So one of the most in- cool, the coolest thing about the conference is that the trainers and workshops that we have are all by local Minnesotans, mm-hmm. right? Um, of course, we have our, uh, a great keynote speaker coming in this year, um, Usada Yasmin Mugahid. But um, we've got all these other wonderful women from the community themselves that are going to be doing fantastic workshops, right? We've got Mo- Dr. Mona Minkara, who's going to do improv, which is always exciting and fun. Um, we've got Amber Michael, who's going to be talking about like dismantling white supremacy and what our role has been in that structure. Um, we've got Dr. Layla Asamurai, who's going to talk about emotional intelligence and like how to really um, hone into that and 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 move from that um, as we lead. And so there's just like um, a lot of fantastic, fantastic. Look at you! I, I don't even <laughs> no, know what you're like going to no, say. No, <laughs> I think it's fantastic. No, please keep going. Yeah. And so it is a full day. Um, you know, we just saw Sakina groan over the fact that we're it's like it starts at 7:30 a.m. But you would be surprised. Um, how many people show up at 7.30? <laughs> Apparently 300. <laughs> yeah, and so it's fantastic to see. Um, we have a lot of sponsorships from like local um, companies and organizations, so we've got a lot of support, which is um, great because then we can uh, offer scholarships to um, those that need. Um, we see a lot of students, right, high school. Um, we've even had as young as eighth grade uh, girls wow. come in. So last year we had somebody from... Um, Hopkins High School and Middle School, um, Angela Wilcox, she brought a group of students. And after the conference, she sent me this wonderful email that was like, this was one of the best conferences that my girls have been to. And they came back so inspired by seeing Muslim women who look like them in doing all kinds of amazing work in their communities. And so they are dreaming of possibilities that they had never imagined before. And that's really what we want is for people to walk away from the conference ready to engage in their communities. That's excellent. And Sakina, I know that last year you were a speaker at the conference. So why don't you share with the audience a little bit from your perspective what that was like? Yeah, I think um, just being in that space um, of of 300 Muslim women at one time talking and connecting with one another, even before I made it to the panel, was really exciting and invigorating for me as well, is to be able to be in that space with that many Muslim women, and they're all leaders within themselves. So um, I did, um, I was on the panel about domestic violence and violence amongst us, and how do we get through that, and how do we process through it, but just having the sisters around there, that's how you get through it, is to be in that space, to keep working, or to, to 
to be around that and that support. And, and like I mentioned earlier about Sisters in Your Place, that's really what we're trying to do is find that space and how do you do that. So being in partnership and being in friendship with, with Nashina and Rise and, and being able to do that allows us to do so much more for one another uh, when you're going through that challenge and that trauma. I think that's that's supportive. And it's also healing. Um, so as you as I mentioned earlier, I was part I was a victim and survivor, but it's healing for me to continue to be in that space and to be in that environment. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that I love, ladies, is that what's always uh, a compelling thing for us to understand as community is that we should champion and support when groups are getting together to be positive, to be restorative, to mm-hmm. revive, yeah. right, their sense of not only dignity, but purpose and friendship and camaraderie. So I just, I, I call that out because when sometimes large swaths, right, of people of color, I, I'm a black woman, I identify as a woman of color, yeah. you know, sometimes that sometimes is in, some can be seen as intimidating mm-hmm. or as if, you know, hey, we're plotting, you know, mm-hmm. there's a whole series of why are you sitting together in the cafeteria? Mm-hmm. And there's something about just wanting to take a moment to say this is what it means to understand that we in community can identify with groups within our community mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that we don't then when we are restoring and becoming revi- revitalized through that, that work that we're not using what we've learned what we've heard right. what inspired us for the betterment of everyone in community mm-hmm. right so I think that the um, 2019 Muslims Women's Conference is going to do just that mm-hmm. as you guys gather as you guys seek to, to, to build and heal and reflect amongst each other the only thing that gets me excited is how much stronger you will be for the communities in which we all coexist you are my neighbor you are my friend right we are uh, we are in many so many different ways family mm-hmm. right as not only women um, but as leaders um, as women of faith right as people of faith this is how we change the narrative mm-hmm. this is how we step into right this moment and yeah. seize it for the change that every one of us is craving so I I encourage you I applaud you to go forward and have the most phenomenal um, inspirational um, and healing conference possible. Yeah. One of the cool things about the conference also is that we have a resource fair. Excellent. And the resource fair is meant to bridge that gap of I want to get involved, but I don't know where, as well as like we have all these great organizations that are like, we want to have more diverse voices um, and diverse leadership. And so how do we g- gain access to that in a more um, <laughs> in a wonderful way? And so um, our goal with our show, uh, what do we, so. What's that out here? Just do you want to highlight yeah. how they can stay connected to your work yeah. as we get closer to winding things down here? Yeah. I've thrown my co-host off. I'm sorry. I, mean, I ha- You never should hold up a sheet of paper when yeah. people are talking. Yeah. So uh, long story short, I guess, what we want is to make sure that people do understand the work that we're doing. You know, follow us along on social media, on websites, and, and our website, and so forth. But really, um, think about the ways you can collaborate with our organization, right? It doesn't necessarily mean you have to identify as a Muslim woman, but uh, we'd love to be able to collaborate with other organizations. Well, listen, I got to thank you both. We are almost at the end of our time here. We want to certainly thank Lori Fitz for the opportunity. We want to thank Eric Nelson for keeping us on track. And huge shout out and love to my dear Nishina Hussein and uh, Sakina Mushahid, who are making change and making difference for all of us. 